0: The peace of Christ be with you on our Lenten journey. I begin by uh, paying tribute to Lawrence Hart. I think you heard last Sunday, but uh, two Sundays ago, Lawrence Hart... Yes, sorry. (laughs) Lawrence Hart um, died two Sundays ago at 89. Lawrence was a Cheyenne peace leader, peace chief, and a Mennonite pastor and church leader for many years. Lawrence also served as a consultant mentor for me when I began ministry in 1973. Um, So I I had to mention Lawrence here today, and then Lawrence surprised us one Sunday. I think it was the first summer when I was here as your pastor, 1995. One summer Sunday, Lawrence showed up here and worshipped with us, sitting about right where you are, Michael Leary, there. So uh, I'm very, very grateful for Lawrence and just remember him here. But I invite your attention to Jesus' trial and Peter's denial in the first century. And then we'll connect that to trials and denials in the 21st century, both in the Middle East, little different places, but in the Middle East. The next slide. Jesus takes disciples on a journey to Jerusalem, the center of religious and political power. And it reads a little bit like, in part of this, like breaking news. Um, Roman military and temple police took Jesus into custody. And then the first encounter is with the high priest Caiaphas, who warns it is better that one person should die for all the people. Now, we could talk about that a long time. We're not going to do that this morning because that's sacrificial violence at work. That's the way the system works. You get rid of the person who is the embodiment of truth so that order and power can remain what they are. That's what's happening in this story. Jesus replies as a living witness to open, transparent truth. Nothing in secret. I'm not hiding anything. I'm as open as I can be about the truth. Now, if we look ahead just a little bit into this same story, it wasn't read here this morning, But the same kind of encounter comes when Jesus encounters the political power, Pilate in this case. And uh, Jesus tells Pilate, For this I was born, to bear witness to truth. And Pilate retorts, What is truth? That same question, that choice, that dilemma faces us as much in the 21st century as it did Jesus and everyone in the first century. The next slide. Meanwhile, Peter hangs around the edge of the sham trial and the struggle over truth. Peter is being questioned. You're a disciple of the accused, aren't you? And three times, Peter denies, and immediately a rooster crows, announcing a new day. Or is it? Again, the choice. Is this what goes on under the cover of darkness, or is it a new day? The choice was Peter's, and the choice is ours. To follow Jesus is to embrace truth and face the accusations, and the trial, because most of the world, the powers that be, do not want truth. They want it covered up. So with that brief journey with Jesus' trial and Peter's denial in the first century, we fast forward to the 21st century. Next slide, please. And thankfully, uh, Macaulay uh, read this gospel. I, I felt a little badly about not dwelling in the gospel more because you could spend hours just in this portion of the gospel and Jesus' trials, but Macaulay read it, and Amy portrayed it here so well that you get the story three times now. Before encountering Kurds committed to truth at great cost, I'm going to do a very very brief comparison with what is happening in ukraine and another criminal war as melanie taught and as uh, megan modeled a couple of sundays ago i could talk about the lies of war and for me in this one the first and the worst great lie in our context and country is the word unprovoked russia's War on Ukraine is anything but unprovoked. I could talk about American blindness. We and our wars are just, they and their wars are evil. I could talk about forced displacement of innocent people. In all of my past presentations in various churches around the country this winter, I have talked about 84 million people displaced by war, and war related climate change and other things in the world today that's a quarter of the population of the united states 84 million in the last three weeks that has gone up to 87 million as more than 3 million ukrainians have been displaced by war next slide one truth is the first casualty of war from my friends world beyond war the rest are mostly civilian, which is also true. We could talk about that. Instead, we go to another warring land garnering far less attention Iraqi Kurdistan. And just for review, these, the, the Kurdish areas, the gold area with the red, we are in Iraqi Kurdistan, is there that red area of northern Iraq where we travel and live? We live in Suleimani, which is about where the dot in the middle eye of the name Suleimani in white is there on the map CPT team accompanies, advocates, and amplifies voices and documents human rights violation. Next slide. Previously, I have shared about um, Sherwan Sherwani. Mo- I've, I've actually shared mostly about cross-border bombing, the other part of our work. This Sunday, I'm staying with um, Introducing you to civil rights activists and journalists whose lives are threatened for truth telling. The Kurdish ruling party oppresses those who oppose corruption and expose lies. Sharon Sharani here was just several months after we were here in his home with his wife and four small children, he was abducted by 10 armed men who took him away in secret, and he has been in prison ever since. Convicted now with five others for six and a half years in prison. Niaz Abdullah there has also been imprisoned and arrested several times, and her life threatened so often that several months ago, CPT helped her go into exile and leave Iraqi Kurdistan. In 2020, 81 activists and journalists from the Badanan region were arrested and accused of subverting national security, plotting a coup and assassinations and organizing a militia to overthrow the Kurdish regional government. Many of the Badanan prisoners were held, have been for a long time, held in a cell made for 40 people That held now 142 people. Next slide. Late last year, many of the baden prisoners faced trial. Families are not allowed in courts uh, for the trial, but some consulate officials from the European Union and a few European nations, Germany in particular, in the European Union, and a... um, uh, about three members of Parliament, the Kurdish member of Parliament and CPT, were allowed into the courtroom. It's a fairly small courtroom where prisoners are forced to stand in that cage there throughout the trial. There's a three-judge panel that presides with a head judge in the center that presides over the trial, and then off to the left of the Uh, of this cage here would be the prosecutor's stand and next to the prosecutor's stand is our uh, Asaish who are the Kurdish intelligence security forces who do the arresting and so who are there with them and so it would be like in our context as if the FBI or CIA had a very close participation in trials that happened and they basically had power over what the prosecutor is saying and doing the judge, the head judge, does the speaking, and the trial begins with the head judge reading an accusation, a confession, and it begins this way, every trial. We went to seven trials in October and a few in November, but the, the judge begins, you confessed. I am a criminal, and then he's reading from a presumed confession. I am a criminal. I plotted to overthrow the government, organized militias, and assassinations of political leaders. And then he looked, is that your confession? And of course, everyone denies having had anything to do with it. There were some signed confessions with confessions they hadn't seen under threat of family. We can talk about that later in the second hour because things need not be said here. Uh, But none of them, of course, had anything whatsoever to do with that. Next slide. In, in that case, Omed Barushki was a journalist, uh, but Al Bawari was a teacher. Held in uh, their trial was in October, and the prosecutor insisted, and judges repeated that they confessed to crimes against the state. At one point, Omed yelled, uh, I am not a criminal, you are, uh, which the prosecutor and the judge threatened them with further prosecution if he did that again. Now, in, in one way, this is not exactly like Jesus' arrest, but it is. It is innocent people being charged for embodying truth, speaking truth to power in ways that the powers that be do not want to hear. Bandwar Ayub, Kargur Abbas, Masad Ali, and Shurban Taha were on trial on this day the trial ended with the prosecutor dismissing charges saying she would dismiss charges against sharantaha and then the judges recess and go out and then they decide you wait while they decide the conviction and the sentence come back and tell you After a long, long time on this occasion, they came back and said, uh, one of the judges, one of the three, didn't say who, couldn't be the head judge, said one of the three judges refused to participate in this decision or have anything to do with this trial. And so the the sentencing couldn't go on until they found a third judge, and it was postponed for several weeks. Um, Next slide, please. It was an obvious bowing to political leader pressure to, that the, the when they came back in November, then the uh, prosecutor reinstated charges against Sherban Taha, who was then sentenced to over two years in prison. He had served 15 months, so he has another 15 months to serve. After each trial, families, supporters, activists, and media and CPT Met outside the courtroom, and um, and there were lots of media interviews. Here, the the, uh, in the center one is, is there were volunteer lawyers, about a dozen volunteer lawyers who did the best they could. They had almost no role in the trial. There were no witnesses, no cross examination. They almost never spoke or had anything to do with the trial, but they did sit there. And then afterward, this is one of the uh, volunteer lawyers that we worked a gr- with a great, great deal through these uh, trials. And then Cameron, my teammate, was often interviewed. But the, but the picture that's most important here is Joanne here with this sign. She was there for every trial, not just her husband, Sherwin Taj. And it was devastating for the Jaman and her two small children. When she thought her husband would be released, then the the sentencing was postponed three weeks, and then the, the conviction reinstated, and he was sentenced to two years in prison. Next slide. A moving encounter after the trial was these three children, here in the lower left, these are Batanon prisoner Sleeman Musa's children, and they came up to us here in the, the daughter in the center, who is older than her younger sister and brother there, just with tears rolling down her cheeks, thanks CPT for being there for her father and their family during this time. And then in the other picture, a few weeks later, fortunately, uh, her father, Sleeman Musa, was, was released and so in early December, we spent three days visiting every prisoner who was released in their family. So we're in their family home. That's Sliman Musa in the uh, suit with, coat with the blue shirt there. And the daughter, who's in this picture here, is in the gold sweater. There was very much a part of this. Mostly her father talked and was just telling us what it was like being in prison for a year and a half uh, and his arrest and so on. And then occasionally she would try to speak and then usually break down in tears. But in the end, she thanked us again and told us, I was planning to be a doctor, but I'm going to be a human rights worker after what happened to my father. Next slide. Baranen prisoner Gudar Zabari flashes the Azadi. This is a sign for freedom in Kurdish. that was before his arrest. He's one of those sentenced to six years in prison, uh, but in prison, prisoners are not allowed pen or paper. But Guddar would not be silenced. He took a cigarette lighter, a toothbrush handle, and the metal zipper tab on on his pants zipper, and melted the that tab. To the toothbrush to use for a pen he took a cigarette package unfolded it and wrote that message which we have in that's in Kurdish but it's also in English on the uh, team's website uh, because he would not be silenced and the message begins this way it's a brief very powerful message to Kurdistan but also to the world, and he says a courageous greeting from an isolated prison to an oppressed nation under the rule of a tyrannical authority they distort the truth with lies and false accusations but the truth will continue on its journey and then it ended with we bow and show our respect to any person around the world who has supported us thank you very much and Many of you and people around the world did participate in a, an action calling for their freedom. Next slide, please. Adhanan prisoners raised CPT's profile and impact considerably in Iraqi Kurdistan. Family members and media shared about the team's solidarity and worked in supporting them. Uh, so it's across Kurdistan, everyone knows. Dr. Muna, who is sitting in the blue dress on the right there, is the new, uh, the Iraqi Kurdistan uh, director of the Independent Human Rights Commission. She came in last summer, is a big, big supporter. We've worked with her extensively, even took her on a trip into some of the region where the war and the cross-border bombing is going on. So she's turning to us for the kind of documentation she needs for her, her work there. And then the European Union and European consulates and the Canadian consulate and the U.S. consulate also use CPT documentation documentation while they work the diplomatic channels on human rights abuses. In this occasion, in this was about mid-November, the Canadian consulate had hosted a roundtable to talk about and with Badanan prisoners. Here, the... uh, and each, each of the consulates, there were about 15 consulates, each of them, uh, including the U.S., um, thank God it's under this administration and not the last, it would never have happened, uh, that, uh, each of them spoke a bit about their commitments to, to work diplomatic channels and address human rights abuses in Kurdistan. But the primary part of this was hearing the testimony of Badal Bawari, who's in the center there standing in the gray suit, and Jawan, the woman you've seen before here, the wife of Sherman Taha. Both of them testified about what it was like being in prison and what it was like being a spouse of a prisoner here in, the, in this occasion. Next slide, please. Lawyers for Peace in Sulamani Hosted an event to honor the Bataan prisoners and their families, and the and the lawyers who the volunteer lawyers who were supporting them. Um, By then, this was in let's see, early. It was in December, December tenth. And uh, by then, I think eleven of the Bataan prisoners had been released. And so, CPT was very much a part of this occasion as well. Yet, we all recognize that many of the 81 Badanan prisoners were still in prison. Next slide, please. Baravan Ayub Hassan, the mother of five, this is the one you just mentioned, Megan, and a civil rights activist, has been a non prisoner for 17 months. Her trial was in early March, just a few weeks ago. And she was falsely convicted and given a two-year sentence. It is hoped that she'll be released early uh, sometime soon. Eighty more people from Baranin have been arrested and imprisoned for their truth-telling and struggle for human rights and against political oppression. And the last slide. Truth is threatening to violent powers and people. Truth-tellers are falsely accused and tried, while deciders and agents of sacrificial violence commit crimes and grow free. Jesus faced a sham trial like the sham trials we are witnessing in Iraqi Kurdistan today. Jesus' guilt was to embody God's love and truth for all people in creation at great cost including the cost to his own lives and that's very much what is happening to these prisoners our choice Jesus truth or Peter's denial or powers opposition to truth thank God for people who embrace truth at great cost in a warring world